Mommy and Daddy are watching a movie about heartbreakers, and it's their tenth anniversary. Oh, a heartbreaker is so breaky and hardy all the time. Break your heart as turns hard. I break your heart, but to finally get back together, yeah. Well, hello. Welcome to He Saw, She Saw. If you're just joining us, I am Corey. And I'm Keith. And we love movies. Just not the same ones. So we make each other watch a movie that we love. But the other has no interest in and would never watch unless we were doing a podcast together. And we talk about it. So, Corey, happy 10. Happy 10th anniversary, Keith. Oh, I was going to say 10th episodes. Did I miss our anniversary? Just yes, joking. So Just joking. Yes, yes, Keith. It is our 10th episode. Our 10th episode. And I'm giving you a 10th episode for your 10th anniversary. Aww. Merry Christmas. Well, happy anniversary, but yes. Thank okay. You. So we decided to kind of go with like the rises and falls of a relationship. Yeah, we thought for an anniversary episode. So what yeah. what would what rise and fall anniversary type episode did you Okay, so um I absolutely love the movie Heartbreakers. Um I love it by, originally because it had Jason Lee in it. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw Jason Lee, it was in Mall Rats and I, I hated him. I love that movie. I know you love that movie. It's a Kevin Smith movie. I know. I've been married to you for 10 years. But I really loved him in this movie. He's so endearing in this movie. I love Ray Liotta. He isn't just... (laughs) He's so funny. Um, Love Sigourney Weaver. And Bancroft has, like, a little part in this movie. And Mm -hmm. at the time, I didn't really, like, understand the hype about Jennifer Love Hewitt at all. (laughs) Um, Except maybe her chest. I don't know. I mean, she does have a nice rack, I will say. Her, her talent precedes her. Okay. She did a good job in this movie, and yeah. it made me like her. So anyway, um, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, so I hopefully you will like it, too. Um, but the reason we're watching that movie is because mm-hmm. you really wanted to watch something that I wasn't very interested in. Yeah, so in. usually Corey's like, we've got to watch this movie, and I try <laughs> to figure out something. This was the case where movie. I was just shocked. <laughs> There is this movie called Intolerable Cruelty, mm-hmm. which it, is so funny. And it stars George Clooney mm-hmm. and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh-huh. Who, and both characters are both eminently likable and hateable. And so, of course, they fall in love with each other. Mm-hmm. Or, like a love-hate thing? Or? or do they? Oh, okay. So <laughs> it is incredibly funny. It's a, uh, a Coen Brothers so you know it's gonna. You, you like knew it. You know it's gonna be funny. Okay. You know it's gonna have some good writing attached to it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a very unique movie, unlike anything else you see. Cohen Brothers. Yeah, I'm almost positive. I guess we should look that up. Not before. the Ferrelli Brothers. The Ferrelli Brothers. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I made you doubt yourself. <laughs> He's checking it the shelf. The, it might be the Ferrelli Brothers. I think it's the Ferrelli Brothers. <laughs> Because the Coen brothers who did Fargo? Here, let's look it up on the internet because it's right here. Coen. Oh, it is Coen. What? Aha! Aha! I knew it. Yes. Okay. So, wow. Yeah, so that's so that's the thing. Is It's like, so you know it's going to be funny, but it's also going to be intellectual and it's going to be unique. You oh. know, that's what the Coen brothers are. If and I that's had to... what Keith likes in a woman. Just kidding. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> 
have you seen this movie before? I think I've seen it in passing when it was on TV and I just passed over it. I brought it up really <laughs> early, early, on. early on in a relationship and you're like, oh, I hated that movie. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I How don't, could you hate this movie? I just, I remember, I think I've seen parts of it on TV and I remember just like they're being mean to each other. That's all I remember. It, I, and I don't think I liked Catherine Zeta-Jones at, this, at, this, at the time. I don't. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a crapshoot. But then like, I saw Chicago, and I was like, oh, I love her. Like, I don't, it's a crapshoot. I don't know what you're going to think about this okay. movie. Well, so we he, will. I mean, you, Coen Brothers, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. I, I was if like. said Farrelly, I'd be like, oh, God, okay. Yeah. Not that I don't like the Farrelly Brothers, but that's a whole different bag. See, this, I see that that gave me hope. As soon as I said Coen, and you were like, what? I'm like, oh, oh, we got a shot. <laughs> so for so, our anniversary, let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and break my heart and show some intolerable cruelty to each other and watch these movies. Let's do it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Heartbreakers. That, is that a song? I don't know. Yes, um, it, it is. I'm so bad at song lyrics. I think yeah, that's a song. Yeah, you are. Okay. Pat, Pat Benatar. So do you know how <laughs> I know Heartbreakers is going to be a great movie from the early 2000s? How do you know? Is because it's not just Heartbreakers. It's stylized as Heartbreakers with a capital H. Lowercase until we get to the break, which is all capitalized. We know it's going to be a very cool 2000s Gen X, you know, because uh, that's Cause one of the, the font. Yeah, it's one of the things we used to do is we used to like put X in everything and we used to like put capital letters where they didn't belong. So I see. Oh, yeah. So you want to talk about this movie? Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it hold up for you, Corey? I forgot how many uh, just hilarious laugh out loud bits are mm-hmm. in this movie. Ray Liotta is amazing. I love him. He's so ridiculous. Jennifer Love Hewitt's like costume designer. Like I just want her costumes. I don't know where I would wear them. Jason Lee was adorable and um, yeah, I loved it. I still love it. I'm gonna watch it again like next week maybe. All right. Now that I have a copy. A very poor copy that I think is a knockoff copy. Thanks, eBay. Thank you, eBay. So if I had to pitch this movie, I would say it is the story of a mother-daughter con woman team Mm -hmm. played by Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt who need to do one final score before they go their separate ways. So the movie, as most movies that Corey likes does, opens with a wedding. There's no amnesia. (laughs) There's no amnesia in this one. (laughs) Although you might want to add afterwards. Sigourney Weaver is getting married to Ray Liotta. Sigourney Weaver has wanted to maintain her purity before the wedding night. Ray is just chomping at the bit. They're like in the midst of the first dance and Ray is just like... Let's go. Let's let's, let's close the deal here. (laughs) And then one of his friends asks for a dance, which leads to another dance. Ray is just like boiling with rage. And so he takes her and ridiculousness that I just won't get into... And they're about to do it. And Angela falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Like full on. She had too much champagne. So the next morning, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It didn't happen. And he's like, yeah. And all of a sudden, she's barfing. So Ray's like, okay, I'm just going to go down to the shop. And by the shop, we really do mean a shop. So he's a. Chop shop. Yeah. He goes up to his office. His secretary is Jennifer Love Hewitt. And she is wearing I don't just, think you can call it a skirt. I don't think so. It's like, you know, those. <laughs> T-shirt dresses, which go, which are long, long T-shirts, and so, she keeps bending over. and he just can't take it, and so he just has to kiss her, and then she kisses him, and then they go to the desk, and then we hear Sigourney Weaver. So Ray is just panicking; he's trying to get Jennifer Lafayette away, but she says that her hair is stuck in a zipper. And Sigourney bursts in and finds out what's going on, mm-hmm. and is just distraught, and so. How dare After you? After one night. We have been 
married 17 hours. After one night, <laughs> we're in a room with two divorce lawyers. And she's asking for $300,000 in Mercedes. Ray Leo's divorce lawyer is like, no, you're not, we're not going to do that. And so Sigourney says, well, you know, we could go to court. And, well, Carrie Fisher says I'm it. sorry, Carrie Fisher, who, if you ever were to have someone who's going to shake down a man. <laughs> and she's like, well, we could go to court. And then the government would really need to investigate the holdings. And so Ray is just. You have a chop shop. Yeah, so Ray is like, fine, give her what she wants. Mm -hmm. So Gornick gets her money and goes to the gas station. And who pulls up but Jennifer Love Hewitt, who calls her mom. And so we established very quickly that Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver are a team. And they've totally set up Ray Liotta. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is ready to go out on her own. So they go to the bank to divide this 300000 part ways. And who is there at the bank but the IRS basically says, look, we've caught you and, you know, you haven't paid taxes in seven years and neither has Jennifer Love Hewitt. The check you have to cut right now is for basically $300,000. Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver are going to have to do one last job, one last con to get the money and, and be able to retire. Because and the IRS or, has cleaned their accounts out and they are, the outstanding balance is the 300000 And so they got to... They got to get some sort of big fish. Jennifer Love Hewitt says, "Oh, if we're going to do this, we got to go to the big time. We got to go to Palm Beach." They go to Palm Beach. They need a place to stay. Both of them are just like they—they they just all the time uh -huh. are just conning people left and right. Mm -hmm. So they go to this fabulous hotel, and they're like trying to discuss which cons they're going to do. And so Sigourney Weaver says, "Oh, we should do a flop." And Jennifer Love Hewitt. Flopper diver. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is, "No, we should," and like it shouldn't. <laughs> She like gets flat out, um, flat out foot swept real quick by Sigourney Weaver. And so, oh, we're doing this one. We're doing the flopper diver. We already did it. <laughs> and so they got digs. They get a, a boat, which we don't know how, but I'm sure there was some sort of con involved. And so they start trying to figure out, and they, and they profile a few different people that they could try to con. And the two people they're doing which are, like the canal tour of all the rich people. The two top contenders mm -hmm. are this is this one guy who's like a mama's boy, doctor, and you know, but the mom is hovering. But Jennifer Love Hewitt is like, oh, we can take her. And the other big contender is Gene Hackman. Tenzi. I'm so glad his last name is Hackman because man, does he hack the entire <laughs> movie. He's a tobacco executive, and he looks like two inches away from death the whole movie he's got like the full-on what do they call that the red like nose a gin blossom. he's got a gin blossom the whole and movie his teeth are just disgusting and he's coughing all the time they've got a couple of contenders there arguably the best scene of the movie is next because they gotta decide who gets <laughs> yeah. who's the mark they decide to play for it mm -hmm. kevin nealon just has <laughs> The job that every man wants at one point in their <laughs> life. Because they say, look, how we're going to decide which con we do yeah. is who gets Kevin Nealon to buy them a drink first. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't even run through all the bits. But they do like six or seven bits. And so Sigourney wins. And so it's like, okay, so it's Gene Hackman. And Kevin Nealon just is like, doesn't understand what's going on, but has a blissful smile on his face. So we pull up to this art auction. We got to have a setup because, again, it's a, it's a con. Jennifer Love Hewitt, they get the keys to Gene Hackman's car. She goes in. She busts the headlight, and then she uh, shorts out mm -hmm. his car phone. And Sigourney's like, you can't be late. Mm -hmm. Timing is everything. Mm -hmm. This has to be perfect. And Jennifer Love Hewitt's like, yeah, I know, Mom, whatever. <laughs> Sigourney has become a Russian doll of some sort. And so she's... Olga. Olga. Even though. She does a quick con real quick to figure out, oh, 
Gene Hackman wants this one statue. And it is a god-awful statue. <laughs> and so she knows that he's willing to go 200000 They start bidding, and there's some playful, like, competitive bidding with each other. The only problem is Gene Hackman has a hacking fit. And so he's like kind of falling down and coughing. He lifted Pabble like as, <laughs> as and, the, and the guy's like, no, I have to see it. He's like, all right, and sold. Don't worry. She cons her way out of having to actually pay for the statue. Pay for the statue. But where's Jennifer Love Hewitt at this point? Mm -hmm. Well, we've already established that you only do one con at a time. Because mm -hmm. there's too many angles. But Jennifer Love Hewitt has decided to go after her. Uh, her, her young doctor. She walks into this bar. Who works in this bar? But Jason Lee, Sarah Silverman, and Zach, Zach Alphanakis. And so Jason Lee comes up to say, <laughs> you know, hey, can I get you a drink? And Jennifer Love Hewitt <laughs> full on just <laughs> annihilates him, you know, and, and she's just totally em emasculated him. You can get me a drink. Uh, well, I'm, I'm the bartender. <laughs> and she's, yeah. <laughs> The doctor comes in, but he's there with his mother. So she sees this thing about the Heimlich maneuver. So she's like, okay. So she's suggestively looking over at the doctor with one olive, two olive, three olive. She acts like she's choking. She's pretending. And so she's looking like right at him, who he's supposed to be a doctor. Uh -huh. And he is not getting the message that he's supposed to give her the Heimlich. So she's faking it, and then she and actually then she does. Actually she is choking. Uh -huh. And so Jason Lee jumps around over the bar, does the Heimlich. The Heimlich shoots out the all of like a shotgun blast right into the doctor's face, who, <laughs> who makes a high-pitched whine cry. And the, the, the retina's detached! And the mom gets her out of there. And so Jennifer Love Hewitt is just beside herself mad. And so she yells at Jason Lee another time and goes out of the bar. She's got to go do the thing. Because she's, she's got to do the thing. Because Sigourney Weaver, again, gives her a call and says, like, hey, are you in position? So Jennifer Love Hewitt goes ahead. So she has this this rubber like strip. Spike strip. And so. Police use it, I think. And there's a bungee on it. So she can, like, pull it away real quick. So she throws it out. Sigourney Weaver has said, you've got to stay hidden so that he thinks we're alone so we can bond. A car's coming. And then she goes, she's like, oh, no, it doesn't have one headlight. So that's why she knocked out the headlight earlier. So she yanks real quick on the spike strip, except like the bungee comes out and the spike strip is there. The car runs it over, kind of swerves, swerves, goes directly and hits a tree. Mm -hmm. It is Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. And he's and she's like, how dare you? Blah, blah, blah. And she's Why like, are you following me, you weirdo? And she's like, he's like, well, you left your purse. <laughs> they look over and oh, no, what appears, but like a car with one headlight. Jennifer Lafute is like, oh, no, I've got to leave so that they can. Sigourney Weaver can do her magic. And so she pushes Jason Lee down this like hill Off the road. and then decides to jump after him herself. So they're not there when this accident happens. So Gene Hackman hits the spike strips and then um, does the exact same arc as Jason Lee's car does and hits Jason Lee's car. Immediately after Sigourney Weaver's car is there, she hits a spike strip. And then in a perfect arc, nails Gene Hackman's car. So he tries to use the phone which is broken. So you're like, okay, that's why she, that's why they, they wrecked the phone. Mm -hmm. Jason Lee, just being a nice guy like he is, is like, oh my gosh, we need to help them. And Jennifer Love Hewitt, she basically throws herself at him. And so they're kissing. Gene Hackman and Sigourney Weaver have this hilarious scene where she's trying to, you know, do everything to bond with them immediately and take them to the to hospital. Yeah. 
And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. Sigourney Weaver hits him with something hard. And he's like, ow. And she's like, oh, is that a shooting pain? I- I've really got to take you. And he's like, but your car. And she's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And so she drives. But as the car is leaving. She's on all four rims. It's like on rims. You see these sparks coming out. Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jason Lee are down at the bottom of this ditch. And as soon as they're clear, she pushes Jason Lee again. Wait. What are you doing? And then he's just like, what, what is going on? <laughs> and then she just leaves him there. She storms off by herself. Gene Hackman gets sent to the hospital. Sigourney Weaver is full on the Russian, you know, trying to weave her magic with him. He's just such a blithering, over-the-top tobacco executive who just thinks he's, you know. He just wants to smoke. That's all he wants to do. Yeah. And so anyway, so the con is on. And then Jennifer LaFuette goes, that jerk stole my purse. <laughs> she goes back to the bar. She kicks the door Kicks open. the door open. <laughs> Gets the person, Sarah Silverman's character. He has a little bit of small talk with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And that's where we find out that Jason Lee, he owns the bar. It was given to him by, I don't remember that. And that there's a, a ton of developers who are lining up to buy the bar. They want the land. So Jennifer Love Hewitt now has a new mark. We have these simultaneous cons going on. so Which is a no-no. Yeah. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is keeping this on the down low. Doesn't away from. Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. We see Nora Dunn. Miss from Madras. She basically is the maid for Gene Hackman. She's like, I got my eyes on you. The long-suffering maid. Yeah. So she's been working for seven years, and she's not going to get built out by, you know, <laughs> by her. By and the so sassy. she's declared war on Sigourney Weaver. Jennifer Love Hewitt is, like, tracking Jason Lee. And, of course, she's wearing a micro mini with six-inch heels. Heels in I, the wilderness. Jason Lee goes out into, like, the Everglades or something Maybe. kind of on the edge of the swamp Jennifer Love Hewitt just is in the forest like going after him and steps into a middle of some mud slips and falls and Jason Lee is like what are you doing <laughs> and so she comes up with like I'm an environmentalist doing you know studying blah 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 and he's like water runoff in the wetlands wearing that <laughs> and she is like well, who says I can't look good well you know I'm a student at University of Miami how dare you why are you following me and he's like <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, if you really want to see what I'm doing, then sure. Uh And so we have a nice romantic scene where Jason Lee is all things perfect in this movie. He's he's the long-suffering nice guy. He's getting away from the city lights. He can take pictures of the stars. Uh And Jennifer Love Hewitt is, of course, like, you're a paparazzi? How dare you? And he's like, no, (laughs) these stars. And so we start to get the hint here that he kind of sees through her stuff all the time Uh and, like, always forgives her and sees good in her. And so you can see her starting to melt a little bit. Sigourney Weaver's character basically gets rid of Nora Dunn's character for a couple reasons. Number one, gets rid of a rival. And number two, we got to get Jennifer Love Hewitt in there because that's the whole con that they pulled. So after she's done that, she tells Jennifer Love Hewitt, hey, you know, you got a job interview at this time. Mm-hmm. And you got to be there. Yeah. So what ends up happening is, is Jennifer Love Hewitt gets the job as a maid, but is taking off. And this is like the third like thing where Sigourney Weaver's like, okay, what's going on here? Because Jennifer Love Hewitt had promised jason lee that she was going to go with his friends to this game of course jennifer love hewitt is late and you know zach and sarah both don't like jennifer love hewitt not like in a mean way but just like okay you, you see she's you see she's horrible right yeah and so <laughs> you know she, they're she like look up. we gotta go yeah she stood you up look it's 20 minutes that's not a little late so jennifer love hewitt races to the bar and she's like man i missed him but she didn't because jason comes out the back door and she's like you you missed the the game and he's just like yeah you know my friends think i'm in love with you Mm. and so very sweet moment and she kisses him with her 
which is a no-no. So that is the way to know that, oh, she is starting to fall in love with them. And her mom sees it. What ends up happening is so that they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this. We can't do a double con. They have this big argument. Jennifer Love Hewitt is like, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm not, you know, not I'm not in love, love with them. So they get in a fight. Then they, she races back. Doesn't kick down the door, but might as well have. And makes out with Jason Lee. Huge kiss. And she's like, oh, I felt nothing. Kind of talking. And you can see that Jennifer Love Hewitt is like, oh, I've got a little bit of feelings for this guy. Mm-hmm. And so she takes off. Jennifer Love Hewitt says, okay, I'll drop the con. We have this moment on the phone with Jason Lee outside the bar. And she's like, look, I never want to talk to you again. And Jason Lee says, then why are you here? And he's right outside her car window. He's like, look, I know I screwed this up with all this love stuff. So why don't we just get married? She's like, hey. And she, don't worry, more comedy relief is about to happen. Sigourney Weaver's getting ready. She's going to basically seal the deal in a month here. She's got this whole scam set up where she's going to act like she's going to get kicked out of the country the next day. And Gene Hackman shows up to her room in the hotel, which she's not expecting. So she's got to hide all Jennifer Love Hewitt stuff. He's like, I just paid for oysters and champagne to come up. And Gene, and she's like, I got to break it off. And he, and he's like, why? I don't, I don't get it. And she's like, oh, this thing from immigration about to get kicked off down Gene Hackman was like oh well, crap well I, I was gonna pro- I was gonna propose to you tonight I bought a ring and everything but I guess if you're gonna have to leave I guess we don't have to and so Sigourney Weaver has to immediately she's like oh well I think if you marry me yeah I think through law like so with the Russian <laughs> accent she like literally goes through like the law that allows her to stay if they get married he wants to celebrate so yeah Gene Hackman is uh is showing off the hack. He's got his. Wow. He's, he's got in his boxers. He's got boxers. He's got the, the, the wife beater. But like on bright green Kermit socks, almost looking. It's like, it's <laughs> a power socks. It's a disturbing image. So he's and so Sigourney Weaver, of course, part of her con that we already established is she never does anything really besides like kissing. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, won't have it, won't have it, won't have it. And then he dies. Sigourney Weaver's like, ah, what can I do? Like he's clearly dead. Jennifer Love Hewitt comes in and is like, oh my gosh, he's clearly dead. What are we going to do? And she's like, well, we got to get rid of the body. We got to make it look like he didn't die here. Right. And Otherwise, so, there's questions. Yeah. Don't worry. It's getting crazy because who's there? Knock, knock, knock. Room service. And so. <laughs> with it, the oysters. With oysters and champagne. Champagne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they basically got to grab Jennifer Love Hewitt in the body. They shoved them out onto the balcony Mm -hmm. Sigourney Weaver basically gets the room service away throws open the door to get Jennifer Love Hewitt from the balcony with the dead body and the dead body falls over the balcony and (laughs) crashes with a sickening thud on the ground so as they're racing down to figure out what's going on they have to get him out of there they got to get they got to get him out of there they got to get him back to his house but who happens to be in the lobby husband number 13 dean he's followed the mercedes because he can't get her out of his mind and he wants to get back together and so jennifer love hewitt goes one way sigourney weaver goes another because he can't see jennifer love hewitt he's like i'll do anything and sigourney weaver's like anything Cut to the hotel room. Sigourney Weaver ties him up, says, I'll be right back. She takes off with Jennifer Love Hewitt to get to the get to the to mansion. To take him back to the mansion. 
<laughs> Ray soon has company. The maid comes in for housekeeping, which doesn't make sense at that time of night. So Ray is like, no, no, stay away, stay away. And she comes in, of course. I've been working this room for a month and there's never been a tip. So, and he's like, fine, get a 20 out of my, my wallet. And she's like, mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, fine, a 50. And she's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And so she walks over and she goes, both of them? So Gene Hackman's body has gone with Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt to his mansion to try to set up that he died somewhere there. Ray gets the wallet to know that, oh, it's this this guy this guy That's and this is going. his this is where he's going so she goes there and finally we have the confrontation scene of you guys conned me basically ray is going to ruin everything i'm turning you guys and i want all that money back so they're like okay fine we don't know exactly how but we're just going to act like this somehow they're able to make it look like Gene Hackman died peacefully by himself. They go to the bank. You know how I said at the beginning how the IRS had uh, cleaned him out? Mm -hmm. It was a con. So Sigourney Weaver had done a con with her old mentor. Barbara, played by Anne Bancroft. Barbara really has cleaned them out. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is like, look, the guy who wants to marry me is worth three mil. And I'll do this to you know, pay you off and to get some sort of money and for us to all go our separate ways. And so she accepts the proposal by Jason Lee. And everyone is really forgiving, which I get, you know, doesn't make sense. But she immediately, she immediately. immediately realizes it's a mistake that she actually loves this guy and she doesn't want to well, break his and heart. and they tell her that it's too late for the, the land deal. And so Ray and Sigourney realize she's chickening out. So they insert themselves into the equation. So immediately. Immediately. And so what they act like is Sigourney Weaver acts like Cousin Betty. Cousin Betty, second cousin. And, <laughs> and her Ray is the brother. <laughs> and it becomes clear that Jennifer Love Hewitt really loves the Jason Lee's character. We have some tender moments with Sigourney and Jennifer Love Hewitt. We have a sweet wedding. And Jennifer Love Hewitt is really kind of upset. And she's like, no, he won't do it. He's not going to. He loves me. He loves me. And Sigourney is like, he's a guy. Guys will never say no. Basically, Jennifer Love Hewitt plays the narcolepsy trick from, uh, <laughs> from earlier time. on. Mm-hmm. She's had too much champagne. And so Jason's like, all right. So he goes off. So he's looking out on the beach. And who's there but Sigourney Weaver? Says, oh, I've got your wedding gift. So they go to Sigourney Weaver's room. And she's got cognac for them she's like no let's have a drink every trick in the book is like throwing on jason just keeps going like nah and she finally pushes him too far he's like look i gotta go and she's like oh look okay don't want to end this way i'm super sorry it was all completely my fault mm-hmm. at this point jennifer love hewitt has just been fuming about how long this has taken she goes over and lo and behold sigourney weaver is on the bed with jason lee's character whose shirt is off and, is, and he's very confused. And so Jennifer Love Hewitt is heartbroken. Another divorce scene. And yet again, the guy is just completely contrite. And he's like, yeah, no, just give her whatever she wants. Because Jason Lee, again, the is, is the ultimate ultimate doormat. And the lawyer is like, we talked about Remember, you not saying we that. We talked about you not saying that? <laughs> <laughs> and so Jennifer Love Hewitt is getting her money and is really upset because she's really hurt. And so in the midst of this, we have a scene between... Ray and Sigourney Weaver. Ray is like, I can't believe he went for it. And she's like, well, he didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I give, I, I slipped I him in the key. Ray is like, oh my gosh. That's I am the lowest of the that's, low. I cannot believe you did that. I can't believe you did that to your daughter. I don't even want the money anymore. Good luck with that one. <laughs> Good luck with, and he takes off. And so Sigourney Weaver is just feeling absolutely distraught. And she's having mom feelings. The speech that Ray gave her about how dare you do that and you're a mom and how do you, you know, about how you got to, let love in and you got to just go with it and yeah you'll get hurt but that's the part of it and so Sigourney Weaver says the money the money is all yours I picked him 
which of course Jennifer Love Hewitt is absolutely upset. And well, she so, tries to strangle her as she's driving. Yeah, which is a running trope in this movie that Jennifer Love Hewitt tries to strangle Sigourney Weaver as they're driving at high speeds. <laughs> they part. Sigourney Weaver goes to Ray Liotta and is like, you know, you want to do this? And he's like, well, no. And she's like, oh, okay. It's like, okay, fine. I want you. And they kind of establish that like, look, we'll get, ma- we'll be married again. Mm-hmm. But you never cheat on me again. Because some girl might show up with a come hither look and she might be working for, for me. me. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, look, if you're, you're going to be my wife, that's it. You're going to be a respectable wife of a chop shop owner. You know. <laughs> you're going to chop cars. It's, yeah. And so we cut to the bar, which has been sold for this divorce settlement. Mm-hmm. And so Zach Galifianakis brings them up and says, hey, you got to come in here. They evidently you left some stuff. And Jason's like, I left nothing. They open up. And of course, surprise. It's his bar again. It's his bar because Here's Jennifer Love deed. Hewitt has bought it for him. And she says, my name is Paige. Mm-hmm. She's um, said her real name and now might be truthful to him. And then our last scene is Ray. It's kind of, you don't see him at first, but you hear him talk. I've never been so in love. And then we pan over, and Ray isn't talking to Sigourney. He's talking to Anne Bancroft, who had ripped off the 300000 Barbara. And over her shoulder, we see uh, Sigourney Weaver in a car with a big smile on her face. And that's our movie. So there were some good things in this movie. There are some really good bits. Yeah, such good bits. So David Merkin is the director who's best known for being one of the most prolific producers of The Simpsons. So the, the oh, man, so the man knows know. how to set up a joke. Yeah. He knows how to set up surrealism. There are moments of this movie which are just absolutely hilarious. Gold. Like as you said at the beginning, like Ray Liotta, he is a national treasure. He is so <laughs> funny yes. when he reenters this movie, like all the way through. Like he is simultaneously the best and worst con person in this movie. <laughs> He's like, what do you do? I'm a college professor. Well, what do you teach? College stuff. What are you, the cops? Yeah. <laughs> the, the four leads of this movie, they play their parts very well. Mm-hmm. If there's a YouTube of like the greatest hits of this movie, it is absolutely hilarious and definitely worth seeing. The issue I had with it, though, the actors are good, but there was so much acting, there wasn't a lot of being of these characters. Like, this mm-hmm. is like definitely a movie where you're watching actors. It, 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 in some ways, it felt like a really good stage play to me. Well, and they were, all the characters themselves were all acting. Yeah, well, it as was... different people. Yeah, one of the reasons I felt so confident and why I purposely did just use everyone's name mm-hmm. because it's like these actors playing this type that they've played in other movies. So, I mean, and they're good characters, but it's like I never suspended my disbelief. There was a few things that just also just didn't make sense. Again, it, it, it's a movie that's meant to be hilarious and over the top. Mm-hmm. Like the IRS scene, I immediately was like, oh, that's a con. Because again, it didn't it didn't make sense for what an IRS agent would do in that given situation. Mm-hmm. But it, it moved the plot forward. It makes no sense to me that she would try to shake down a wannabe gangster. So I think that would be someone you would never want to mark. It didn't make sense to me that she acted like a Russian. She wasn't very good at it. Yeah. I also felt like Sarah Silverman and like Zach Galifianakis <laughs> are just like criminally underused in this yes. movie. I felt like there was missed opportunity also with like the Jason Lee character. I felt like that there was a, a, a bigger opportunity for, for something mm-hmm. where to make Jason Lee's character a little bit more three-dimensional. And I also felt like at the end with Paige, I just wanted a lot more from that scene. Instead of, oh, I conned you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wanted an actual scene of Paige of being like contrite, being willing to walk away from him. Something about how like, look, you're like, I don't deserve you. When it comes to when I came into this, I was double thumbs down. I was like, I don't see how this could 
work. Mm-hmm. But for a just for just a dumb movie to turn your brain off and watch, these setups that they come up with are hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I would I would put it as a double thumbs in the middle with one of the thumbs trying to go up but just kind of not making it. Like and like I said, you know, I haven't searched YouTube for this, but if you can find like greatest hits of the movie or greatest scenes from this movie, oh my gosh, that would be just absolutely you will laugh literally every second that's on. Well, I thought that it was hilarious and I thought it was sweet in some places. I That's good enough for me. I would agree with that. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Keith. You fascinate me. (laughs) So, uh, Keith and I, this is our anniversary. Yay! And we were supposed to be in a classy hotel, Mm -hmm. uh, sipping champagne in front of a bay window. Mm -hmm. Overlooking the San Diego Bay. Yeah. But... Surprise! I won the co- the COVID lottery. So, <laughs> but yeah, there was a situation at my school where somebody told me they had it, and so I sent them to the office. And uh, yeah, I immediately got my butt down to get tested, mm-hmm. and I was a little concerned when it didn't come back in twenty four hours, which I'm <laughs> guessing is why. But uh, yeah, surprise! I I uh, evidently am carrying the SARS something COV SARS times two type two. Yeah. Yeah. So we are. So we had an eventful day. Yeah. We had to kind of just reorganize absolutely everything. Everything. We did get our money back. Yes. Because um, I was a very convincing, sad person on the phone mm-hmm. uh, for the hotel. Oh, oh, and don't don't worry. They made her work for it. So <laughs> I only had to call like four people and yeah, chat with 10 do people. Not, um, <laughs> if you want to get a hotel, you shouldn't probably go to a dot com to get it. You probably should well, go straight to Well, if you to. do, you then you should do the option of pay at the hotel is what I have learned. Yes. The actual hotel was much more sympathetic to our case. Yes. Than, so. um, but yeah, um, so far I am negative and so is our six-year-old. So uh, we have spirited her. She was going to have a sleepover anyway. So mm-hmm. now she's going to have a super sleepover. Yeah. And Keith is, uh, we are we are recording this. Keith is uh, down the hall in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I am at the other end of the hall, about 15 feet away with oh, my no, microphone. Like, yeah, more like 20 to 30, but yeah. <laughs> I'm bad at math. So uh, I was like, well, what do you want to do for our anniversary? I was and like, let's do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> so anyway, uh, before we found out that Keith uh, had COVID, mm-hmm. um, it was we watched. Times. Yeah. <laughs> watched a movie together uh intolerable cruelty yes this um, was mine this was mine to which have was you, your pick have you so watch. keith uh mm-hmm. not that i have to ask again because your little tail was wagging the mm-hmm. whole time yep. how did this movie hold up for you i really liked it it actually wasn't as good as i remember but it was still <laughs> was this a one-timer very good this is a this is my third time having seen the movie we had just watched it last night yeah we or no not last night two nights ago i don't remember uh time has no meaning when you're yeah no this is just quarantine stuff mess for the last couple of days so yes we saw it recently thank god we're vaccinated is all i have to say my gosh i just wish our child was vaccinated i feel very anxious about that so yeah but But negative right now and 
Yeah. So my pitch for this movie is a very successful L.A. divorce attorney is taken by his client's ex-wife while he takes away her chance at her ex-husband's fortune until she schemes to take his fortune. But will he take her heart? Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Do you like the wordplay? I thought it was clever, all the taking. There was a lot a lot to take in there. And so it was, yeah, it was good. I love how you will spoil, like even in, in the pitch, like you just spoil big plot points. Well, yeah, that's why we're here. There you go. To talk about it. Exactly. You it, need to do your homework it was like before two, you come to class. Yeah, it was like 2005. So if you didn't see if it. If you haven't seen it by now. We, yeah, we don't know what to tell you. This movie starts with Jeffrey Rush, who is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, only he looks very, he's very douchey in this, in this role. Oh yeah. He would be full douche. Yeah. He would be. Uh, he's got a ponytail. Um, he has linen we pants with a tie waist. We don't see any essential oils anytime he's there. They're in his glove box. But they are somewhere. <laughs> Uh, he's wearing sandals. He shows up at his house and, uh, the pool boy is there. And that's funny because <laughs> they don't have a pool. Nope. So he uh, becomes very clear that his wife is having an affair with the pool boy. Cause mm-hmm. People are running around and jumping into closets and his wife's hair is all snarled in the back and the mm-hmm. bed's unmade and she's putting her pants on. And, oh, honey, hi! So mm-hmm. the pool boy shows up, um, and just kind of like decides to confess. Yeah, he just, he, he admits that he went for a dip. Wow. Well, and so uh, Jeffrey Rush uh, grabs his gun and he's waving it around. And so his wife, her name's Bonnie, grabs it, an award, his Lifetime Achievement Award for Daytime Television mm-hmm. Emmy, which is three-pronged. Uh, uh, four, actually. Four-pronged. You can, you can see the puncture marks. Oh, yeah. She jabs him in the butt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gets angry. Uh, they run downstairs. She's, she's uh, driving away in his Jaguar. And Jeffrey Rush is just indiscriminately firing shots everywhere it will be very important for the plot to note that like jeffrey rush rush as much as he's a doucher is in no way at fault like she <laughs> no. clearly she's clearly clearly yes and he's gone he's out taking of bounds polaroid pictures at the same time as he's shooting he's documenting of his butt cut to we meet miles massey who's mm-hmm. played by george clooney or miraculously his teeth yes he's in the middle of a teeth whitening appointment he's got the plastic uh tooth a uh, cheek separator. I don't know what it's called. It's yeah. the thing that you put in your mouth when you're getting your teeth whitened so that your lips don't touch your teeth yeah. and the UV light. But it's it just... not stopping him from having a full-on conversation with his secretary. His teeth come back later. He's very obsessed with his smile. He is a extremely successful divorce attorney in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And he is so good that he doesn't even have to try. He has just kind of become complacent and bored and... But yet he just still keeps on winning. Bonnie, the wife of Jeffrey Rush, has Mm -hmm. come in to talk to him about being her divorce lawyer. And Mm -hmm. we all know that she was clearly at fault. Yeah, clearly. And he has pictures and everything. And so Massey weaves this tale and says, yes, I will take your case. Mm -hmm. And then we find out later that he has completely just destroyed Jeffrey Rush's character. And so then we see a uh, the next scene is a, an older man mm-hmm. with a much younger lady uh, who's very beautiful. They are heading on into their little tryst. And did you recognize who the guy was? You gave me a hint while we were watching, but I realized that guy was really going overboard to impress his young paramour. So. Ah. Yes, it's Mr. Staten from Overboard. His name's Edward Herman. He doesn't play as much of a douche, 
Yeah, he's just a he's a silly man. He's a we'll silly find man. We'll find he's a silly man. <laughs> so they're in the middle of their affair, and all of a sudden, someone busts into the room. Flat out kicks the door down. Yeah, like a police officer. He's got a video camera and a light on the video camera, and he is just filming everything. So the next scene we see uh, is uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is watching this footage, mm-hmm. and it turns out that she is Mrs. Marilyn Rex Roth. I just want to take a moment to just kind of call out the names in this movie. I, oh, my gosh. So Coen Brothers. It is so Coen Brothers. Love sure. it. Her husband's name is Rex Rexroth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the uh, person who is showing her this video is Gus Petch. Mm-hmm. And he's a private investigator. I'm and he's Gus gonna, Petch. I'm Gus Petch. And oh I'm going to nail your ass. <laughs> oh, Cedric the Entertainer was so yes. entertaining in this. Very he was so funny. <laughs> he says, oh, wow, you don't seem very broken up about it. Then we realize that, um, you know, this is what she does. She, she's been working for five years mm-hmm. uh, on this, married to this guy. And uh, this is the moment she's been waiting for. Well, it's time to collect. She tells him that she's going to nail his ass to the wall. So then we learn uh, a little bit more about Miles Massey because uh, Marilyn Rexroth has a bunch of friends. So they're hanging out at the, the spa and they're talking about Miles Massey and they find out that Miles Massey is going to be Marilyn's husband's divorce lawyer. He's going to be the enemy this time and this is not an enemy that she wants. No, and everyone's like, oh God, you know, he's so good that he uh, cleaned out, you know, this guy and then that guy hired him for his third marriage or whatever. So we uh, have the divorce proceedings scene. And so uh, again, with the names, Freddie Bender is Mm -hmm. Marilyn Rexroth's lawyer played uh, by Richard Jenkins, who I adore. Mm -hmm. Um, Recently from Step Brothers. He's Mm -hmm. been in a bunch of stuff but stepbrothers most recently freddie bender is her lawyer and comes in and sits down and right away miles massey and uh his assistant uh just start negging him is that what i would say or is that more for women it's one yeah it's more you would do that to women but it's like yeah but it's one of my favorite scenes oh my gosh have you so witty as soon as miles massey sees Marilyn through the window mm-hmm. as they're coming in. It's like, it's clear. He's like, oh, I, I want that one. Yeah, exactly. But yes, that scene, so truly Coen Brothers dialogue, snappy dialogue and I, just memorable lines. And I cadence. wish I was this witty. And, yeah. yeah it's just amazing. And like George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, I just have, kept having flashbacks of like, oh, brother, where art thou? And mm-hmm. like the big Lebowski and Fargo. God. All the best parts. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it becomes very clear that they are not going to come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. And uh, Freddie Bender kind of uh, walks off in a tantrum mm-hmm. um, because they're still baiting him and mm-hmm. offering him pastries at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll eat the pastries. <laughs> <laughs> fine. We'll eat the pastries. <laughs> Such and, a good scene. And then as Marilyn Rexroth is leaving, she turns around and looks at him because she's very amused by him. Yeah, doesn't smile, but with her eyes. Yes. The next scene that we saw, I couldn't believe was happening. Such a good script. Because he takes her out to dinner and mm-hmm. she goes. Oh, full on flirting. Like full Which on. that part was fine, but like he's the enemy. And mm-hmm. he's basically trying to find out what her game plan is. Mm-hmm. And she basically... I mean, not so much, but so much laser cards out. Like, mm-hmm. look, I've worked hard on this. Mm-hmm. I have paid my dues, and I have I have caught him fair and square, and I'm gonna nail his ass to the wall. Yeah, they're both they're both like such alphas who are both <laughs> bored. Like yes. they are, they both know the system. They both know how it works, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of jousting going on between the two of them. 
Now, as this date is happening, mm-hmm. um, and I've, you know, when I was watching it, I was like, does she know what she's doing? She knows what she's doing. Yeah, she always knows. Um, she's always a step ahead of him. So while this is happening, Gus Pitch is uh, at her house, and he is getting pictures of her uh, address book. Mm-hmm. For Massey, we learn this in the next scene because they're at a gross diner. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> it's uh, totally the type of place I used to, when I used to be able to eat what I wanted. Well, That's yeah, for us diner. it's fine, but like for poor Wrigley. So Wrigley, let me just talk about him for a moment. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely love him. And I was like, I know him from somewhere. Where do I know him from? Mm-hmm. He was in Bedazzled with Brent, with Brendan Fraser and... um. Uh, Elizabeth Hurley. You Have actually, you seen that movie? Uh, no, of course not. Oh that my was gosh, such a... Keith. <gasps> I think we have another contender. That no. is... Oh my God, I love that movie. Um, so anyway, his name is Paul Adelstein. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is just... Wrigley is just ridiculous. Like they're sitting at this diner and it's not that bad. It's kind of... It has like a Bob's Big Boy type of vibe. Yeah. Like it's not... And so character actress... Uh, who who's playing Marge, the the waitress? She's just like, "What do you want?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, you know, I'll just have like a baby green salad." She's like, "Why'd you call me?" <laughs> and he goes, "Why are we eating here?" <laughs> yeah, he is just out of his element. <laughs> then Gus Petch shows up, and he's like, "Here, here's your here's your address book, or whatever." Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that's why so that's one of the reasons why he asked Catherine Zeta Jones out to dinner was to get her out to get her out of the house. To get her, so. Yeah. Gus could do his work. Wrigley's like, why did you need her address book? And he's like, well, we are looking for her Tenzig Norgay. Tenzig Norgay was the Sherpa mm-hmm. that uh, helped. Who did he help? Uh, he <laughs> helped, helped someone climb Everest. Yeah, helped that person climb Everest. And so we're looking for the person. And, and we think, oh, we're looking for someone she's having an affair with, probably. But her Tenzig Norgay is the person who helped her to catch this husband and mm-hmm. so of course wrigley's like well how do you how do you find that and he's like oh, i usually look at the funny names yeah that's a good script and sure enough <laughs> court day court day happens miles calls heinz the baron cross von espy to the stand it's been made so clear that she is going to get everything yes and rex roth doesn't have any money He's in real estate and it's all tied up. So mm-hmm. he cannot afford, Can't afford this if she divorce. gets anything, then he loses everything. Right. So, and then she's been on the stand and she's just crying. And she, I loved my husband very much. And oh. look at the tape. The Baron, he's a Baron, but he has a day job to pay the bills. Because you must eat. Because you must eat. And he is the concierge of the Los Pantalones Rouge, or as uh, someone else said later, the Hotel of the Red Pants. That checks out. (laughs) He's a special concierge, though. He doesn't get ice and towels, Mm -hmm. because that's for bellboys. He uh, gets people what, you know, certain things that they need. Accoutrement. And so Marilyn, uh, we learn, asked him to find her a husband. And she specificated a silly philandering man who could be duped and controlled. She didn't actually love her husband. And this was all just a plot to get his money. The the pacing of the scene is incredible. Because (laughs) out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. when he calls Baron, like, she turns ghost white. Mm -hmm. And it's just, the tension is just so palatable. Because you can see where it's going. 
And then just when he says silly man, it just explodes. It's such a the great Baron scene. is kind of like the Jesus in mm-hmm. Lebowski. Just yeah. this over the top ridiculous. Marilyn loses everything. And she has mm-hmm. to move in with her friend, Sarah Sorkin, mm-hmm. who, you know, <laughs> has been married, I don't know, four times. And Marilyn is uh finds Jeffrey Rush's character. He is uh on the street, homeless. Mm-hmm. And all messy, and but he still has his daytime Emmy. And she says, "Hey, you know, basically, just kicks him, and that, and we don't know what's going to happen." Yeah, she's like, like, "Hey, uh, I need a name." Miles can't stop thinking about Marilyn, but you know, he kind of just took all her fortune away. She shows up at his office, mm-hmm. and he's scared because he thinks that I have just ruined her life. Right. So she shows up, and he opens the door, and he sees her, and who's standing next to her? Billy Bob Thornton. And oh. he's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> this annoying guy who just like goes on and on and on. And both of them just like interrupt him every time he talks because he just goes he's on He's just a good old on. boy who will just keep talking no matter what you're talking about. And then he'll talk about like his pap. Can it's just, I, oh my gosh. Can I tell you the, the first moment I knew that she was she was going to play him? How's that? Uh, when she showed up in the denim studded uh, oh, god awful getup that she was wearing, it is just like I was like, okay, this is set up. She just, she wears something that only <laughs> someone who's married to a rich Texas millionaire would think would be anywhere close well, to what Doyle, she should wear. Doyle, who's an oil tycoon, yeah, Doyle from the oil. Doyle family, and so we established <laughs> that Doyle's like the huge oil money, mm-hmm. and they're there because she wants. The Massey prenup. Now, I don't know if we've talked about the Massey prenup yet. We have not. The Massey prenup. The Massey prenup. It's I, impenetrable. Let me just, it's, it's, it's impenetrable. Let me just tell you, it is so ironclad that they devote a semester to it at Harvard Law. And so she's like, I want this prenup. And Clooney's like, are you sure you want this? Because he knows what she's doing. So he's like, if you do this, you know, like, you don't get anything. Like, you know this, right? He's just like, what's this angle? What's the game here? Mm-hmm. And so they go through with it and they get the prenup and uh, he pulls her aside and he gives her a kiss. Yeah, because he's yet again pleading with her. He's like, what yeah. are, what you, are doing? you doing? Give and her she's a kiss. like, is that all? <laughs> he's like, no. Swelling of music. Monster kiss right on the lips. And she goes, hmm. <laughs> I could get you disbarred for that. So the next uh, moment we are at their wedding and Massey, of course, is invited and Wrigley Why? is there. Why? Because this whole thing is for him. And Wrigley <laughs> cannot hold it together. He cannot. He's like me. And he's a divorce attorney. I know. Well, maybe that's his Achilles heel. And so he's just like falling apart. And Massey keeps looking at him like, would you please hold it together? During the reception, Doyle, Billy Bob Thornton, calls for the barbecue sauce. He loves Marilyn so much that he trusts her. He's going to eat this prenup with barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. And Massey goes, brilliant! And he starts clapping because everybody else is clapping. <laughs> and he keeps saying, it's a prenup. It's a prenup. It's a prenup. It's a prenup. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he realizes what's happening. He takes her to the side. And he, afterwards, he's like, hey, you're going to be free in a few months. <laughs> And so I'm let's calling, have dinner. And I'm calling my shot now. I want to take you to dinner. <laughs> yes. And she's like, oh, yeah, maybe after I've tried. When the know, ink is dry. Possibly. Maybe. Six months later, we're in Vegas because Miles Massey is giving the keynote for No Man, which is N-O-M-A-N, which is an acronym for something about marriage lawyers. Is it No Man or No Ma'am? It's No Man because their their little slogan is, let no man tear us under. Oh, not because they're divorced lawyers. For some reason, 
Marilyn, fresh off of her latest divorce with Freddie Bender, because he also offered his, uh, Miles Massey also offered his services to her mm-hmm. uh, at the wedding. And she mm-hmm. said, no, thank you. I will be using Freddie Bender. He was a little sad after our last divorce. <laughs> <laughs> she She's in Las Vegas, which we learned that they're at Caesar's Palace, which I was confused because I'm like, Caesar's Palace is not the height of luxury. She would be at the Bellagio. Well, be- Probably because Caesar Palace paid money to be in the film. Probably is how that works. <laughs> it doesn't works. make any sense. I had gone in like 2000. Well, I guess I was right around that time. Mm-hmm. But Caesar's Palace was not the place to go. Bellagio or the Venetian. Venetian, yeah. was like the place was... to go. I not am... so much the Luxor, which is well, where we stayed this last time. Uh, our child loved the Luxor because we got to stay in a pyramid. Exactly. And that's all she talks about. With a diagonal elevator, which is kind of <laughs> crazy to go through. Yes. Um, with a view of an actual castle. Now, if they would have stayed at uh, Excalibur, Excalibur. If, we, if they was at Excalibur, I'd be like, oh, I'm calling BS. Yeah, no. But anyway, so they're at Caesar's Palace, and of course, Marilyn is walking through the casino with her big French poodle, and oh, he sees God. her, and he's like, ah, and he runs off to basically throw himself at her. So they're in the elevator, and he's like, oh, you know what? You you owe me because uh, I said when you're done that we're gonna go to dinner. And she's like, well, I didn't imply that. She knows the game. He's basically like throwing himself at her. And she's just like, "Mm mm-hmm. And at the end, she's like, I suppose a little dinner wouldn't hurt. (laughs) They choose to have some Vive Cliqua, which is my favorite champagne. Mm -hmm. Because the girls from Absolutely Fabulous Drink It, Mm -hmm. Adina and Patsy. Mm-hmm. And you got me some one time. I did. For Valentine's Day. I did. And you even had a sip or two. I did. It was like, oh, like every other champagne I've ever had in my life. No, but... Keith. <sighs> and I swear, the bottle that they had, I bet you, was mm-hmm. one of the bottles back in like the it. 1920s or whatever. Yeah, they you... were shipping the... I may have heard that story from you about 500 times. <laughs> Might have. Okay, well, if you guys don't know. Oh, boy. <laughs> View Vicliqu. I, I I can never say it right. It's view 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 It's like the. What are you doing? You're laying on the ground. <laughs> what? No, I'm, I'm awake. <laughs> you need to be awake for this. No, I'm awake. I... This the shipment of champagne fell off of this like ship and mm-hmm. went down into the sea, and it mm-hmm. was in the cold, cold sea. And then they found it and they pulled it up, and you could still drink it, and it was like amazing because it was like perfectly chilled in the dark for like a hundred years or whatever i don't know it, it means the widow or something like the anyway i don't know. patsy and adina drink it mm-hmm. and they're like the height of class and luxury and addiction <laughs> yeah they're the caesar palace uh, of british now, comedy be nice or i'll make you watch the last shout or... I, i'm not gonna respond to that <laughs> Anyway, so they have dinner, and they're just both getting really depressed because they're both alone, and they have nobody to share their life with, and they're tired of the game, and and so he actually is getting depressed, and she's acting depressed, and she talks about her friend Sarah Sorkin and how she's just all by herself in her big old house because she can't trust anybody, and then they decide that they just, nah, they don't really want to have dinner, and so I'm not really hungry, which is insane. I'm always hungry. And he says, neither am I. So, yes, they walk down the hall. They're very despondent. And and George Clooney is dying for her. They go back to their rooms. And they're just, he's so depressed. And then he gets a phone call from her. And she's crying. 
Sarah Sorkin just died. And so George Clooney races to her to her room, wearing a Caesar's Palace robe, which actually might possibly why be why they're at Caesar's Palace, just so they can wear <laughs> that ridiculous robe. And the next scene, basically, they're in the chapel o, uh Scotland. And they all have to wear kilts. And uh, they're arguing over whether or not to sign the prenup. And the guy's like, are you getting married or not? Yeah, because what what has happened is is that Catherine Zeta-Jones, or the Rexroth character, has cleaned out the oil The man. oil and that, that's Doyle the, oil. And that's the story that everyone's buzzing about at this divorce conference as well. Right. Miles is like, well, here's the Massey prenup. I don't want your money. I just want you. And she's like, no, no, no. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Oh. And so they end up signing it. Mm-hmm. And they get married, and Wrigley's there. And Wrigley cries every time the Massey prenup is made because because <laughs> it's so. If glorious. you sign it, you're saying, <laughs> I "Oh, love I love you." Yeah. And if you rip it up, you're saying, "Oh, I don't care. I love you." They get married. They run off for their their wedding night. In the fit of passion, she tears up the prenup. Do you love me? <laughs> and then when she tears it, he's like, "Darling, you're exposed." You're like a sitting duck. So the next day, um, he is very disheveled. He has to give the keynote speech for the No Man conference. Mm-hmm. And I guess he's the president of the No Man. Basically, instead of giving his keynote speech about uh, something about assets, it was something about assets. It was... it, it's Jerry Maguire's speech yes. at the beginning of the movie. It's it just is basically... so Jerry Maguire's. Quitting as their president, and he's going to go into pro bono work. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, What? So he's still celebrating. They get to the bar. Wrigley's trying to get a word in edgewise because because he's 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 basically uh, the Rene Zellweger. Yes, um, at this point he's the Rene so, Zellweger. So Clooney's like trying to backtrack. Who's like, coming with me? Like okay, well, and I can't pay you, of course, like you're used to. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, Wrigley looks up, and it is a soap opera. And who is on the soap opera? <gasps> The guy who's supposed to be Doyle, Doyle Oil. Billy Bob Thornton. And he is in the soap opera. And they realize, oh, no. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, good thing you got the prenup. <laughs> There's no prenup. So he races back to the honeymoon suite. Mm-hmm. He realizes that, you know, it's over. And she's basically like, well, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and file an injunction to make sure that you can't come anywhere near your house while the divorce is going on. that'll be part of the settlement. She leaves and she gets on the plane and the uh, stewardess on the plane is like, oh, you lost. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, I can always tell when people lose when they come back from Vegas. And she didn't lose money, but she lost. Poor Massey. He's just... He has been he has been taken to the cleaners and he mm-hmm. can't even go to his own home. Mm-hmm. So the guy who runs his firm, his name is Herb, and he's really old. He tells him, you know, this doesn't look good for the firm. We are lawyers and we serve the law. We honor the law and sometimes we obey the law. This is not one of those times. Mm-hmm. And I said to you, enter the hitman because mm-hmm. it's a Coen Brothers, it's Coen Brothers. movie. Yep. So they meet up with this humongous Andrew the Giant looking kind of guy named Wheezy Joe. Mm-hmm. And they call him Wheezy Joe because he always has his inhaler with him. And they're like uh, trying to explain in a very kind of Fargo, uh, mess everything up kind of way, mm-hmm. that it's not him who wants uh, Marilyn Rexroth taken care of. Mm-hmm. But uh, he is the lawyer for the person who wants to, Mr. Smith. And he just keeps missing. <laughs> it is so bad. Like it's such... <laughs> It is so clear what what's happening, <laughs> and like the and the hitman is like 
trying to go along with it. Yeah. So they're like, we want this to happen and meet as, you know, as fast as possible. So he's really depressed and sad because he's just had to put a head out on Marilyn, his wife. We go back to Mr. Rex Roth. And he has like six women, just like an overboard. Mm -hmm. And they're all jumping on a bed. And so he has a heart attack and collapses. And they get the call that he has just died. And he hasn't amended his will. From four years previous. And so Marilyn is going to get everything. To which one of my favorite lines of this movie is Wrigley saying, why kill the only woman you've ever loved when she's the richer party? (laughs) (laughs) So they're like bumping around, bumping around like, what do we do? What do we do? They pick up Mm -hmm. the phone, they call, and they leave a message, Fargo style, for (laughs) for the hitman. Completely. It's a no-go. (laughs) <laughs> then they realize, well, oh my God, he might be over there right now, on his way over there right now. Mm-hmm. So he uh, get they get in the car and they're going 90 miles an hour, heading over to his house. And he calls Marilyn. He's like, Marilyn, Marilyn, you have to get out of the house. There's a gas leak and it's odorless and it's colorless and it's. Because <laughs> I just realized when I left weeks ago, I might have. <laughs> I didn't have, turn it off. I didn't turn it off. He hangs up the phone. And Wheezy Joe is being stared down by two Rottweilers. And she says, who sent you here? Oh, uh, Mr. Smith. And she holds up a picture of George Clooney. And she because it's his house. Is this Mr. Smith? And he goes, no, that's Mr. Smith's lawyer. And she goes, okay, well, if you whack him, I'll give you double. So they enter the property and it's dark. And no one, it appears that no one is there. And they're like, oh, man, no one's here. He's like, yeah, because she bought it. <laughs> <laughs> wandering around and then they run into wheezy joe and they're like you gotta call it off man why are you still standing here do you do you speak english we're calling it off yeah because they finally get they get confronted wheezy joe isn't saying anything but he's looking (laughs) he's clearly got violent intent and then wheezy joe pulls his gun on him and he realizes oh no he's gonna try to kill me yeah there's this big kerfuffle and eventually what happens is wheezy joe can't breathe so he puts (laughs) his left hand in his mouth which he thinks is an an inhaler but it's not it's the gun and points the inhaler which he thinks is a gun (laughs) Towards George Clooney, and he pulls the trigger. And they're like, we see Joe. So the next scene is we are back in the office where we first started it all. Freddie Bender's like, I got this. I'm going to get these guys finally. So Wrigley says, well, my client is prepared to reconcile. And Freddie Bender's like, no, 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 this isn't. And Marilyn's like, well, how could I ever trust you? You tried to send someone out to kill me. (laughs) And then Bender's like, hey, hold on just a second. And, And spins this ridiculous. Yes. Story. story about how like an intruder an intruder you know saw the light and was re- too repentant and <laughs> committed suicide in the house he's like well how could i ever trust you enter the massy prenup enter the massy prenup <laughs> <'Cause Wrigley laughs> starts crying yeah, starts crying. no rule saying you can't retroactively sign a prenup so he signs the prenup and she looks at him and she's like oh. and she rips it up and freddie bender grabs the pieces and wrigley's trying to grab the pieces from freddie bender and but he shoves them in his briefcase yeah bender Grabs it, runs out, and, and runs away. And Wrigley through his tears because he's crying since she ripped <laughs> up the prenup. Freddy Bender, bring that back. Bring that, no fair. <laughs> and so they kiss. He asks her, "Where did you find?" Oh yeah, where did Billy you find Bob Billy Bob Thornton? Thornton? And she's like, "Oh, that producer from the beginning of the movie." Jeffrey Rush. But I gave him the idea for his next hit. The next hit is dun, 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 dun. America's funniest divorce video. Cedric. The entertainer has come mm-hmm. back and is like a, a uh, host for like Bob Saget and Gus Pitch. Yeah. He's so going to nail your ass. And that's the end of the movie. I had a couple questions and you don't have to answer them. Okay. 
I know for a fact that uh, California is a no-fault state, mm-hmm. so none of any of this matters. I've never been divorced, but that's not how divorces go. I mean, like you said, it's a no-fault state, and like at least today, and I don't think back then either, you can't just rip up a contract and say, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering that. I was like, you can't just rip it up and then it's gone. Yeah, it would have to it's be filed. filed and, and so, the, I mean, we have to take certain licenses, I guess, because like the whole thing, that leads me to like, okay, well... If Doyle's not a real person, I mean, he, he's impersonating a person, and you're trying to file legal documents, he would know. And uh, I even one of my notes was like, was everyone at the wedding in on it? Yeah. For six months? So those are my questions. But um, it's funny because uh, she kind of did the thing in the in How to Be a Latin Lover that I that I wish he would have that I would have done like instead of just leaving with like a couple of clothes like she obviously left with her things mm-hmm. because she has the appearance of wealth and she has all her things mm-hmm. and she's obviously stashed some and saved although the dog was rented the dog was rented so it's got to go back <laughs> Um, so this is, like I said, it's a very Coen Brothers movie. In our best moments, we're like in the midst of a Coen Brothers movie. Like we go, we go back <laughs> oh, and, and forth. Oh, and we're at our A game? Only brief moments. Like you, you much more than me. But yeah, it's. <laughs> well, I have been told that I remind people of Andrea Savage and I'm sorry. And I hope it's not because she says incredibly inappropriate things at very, think, very precarious times. I think that, yeah, that's more of a timing thing and a funny <laughs> thing, not a, oh my gosh, did you say that out loud thing. <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, yeah, just ridiculous characters in general. Mm-hmm. But I just, I love the names. I, I just, I wrote all the names oh down because I love them. And just like people's like, just like ridiculous lines of thinking. <laughs> well, I just found this m- movie to be very funny, very yeah. clever. Just ridiculous in a way that I find very endearing mm-hmm. and that I ascribe to be that ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I, I loved in this movie was the Elvis uh, song, oh, the song the in the beginning. beginning. Yeah. yeah, I know you did because um, you were singing it the whole oh, time. Oh my gosh, I love that he song. He doesn't know lyrics, but he was singing it and he can't hear me talking because I'm down the hall. <laughs> I, I, I did not hear that at all. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay. So, would you like to hear about my thumbs? I would love to hear, and I'm feeling good about this. You so. have uh, earned two thumbs way up in the air. Yes! I knew it! And I think I like it more than The Big Lebowski. Wow, that's high praise. And I think I like it more than Fargo. Yeah, I, w- I would need to look over the catalog again, but I'm like 90% sure it's the most accessible of the Cohen Brothers movie. It's kind of like this is an intro into the Cohen canon. Yeah, because it is ridiculous, but it is it's not as so far out there yeah. as uh as some of the other Cohen Brothers movies. Yeah, so that is what I think. Darling, you're exposed. Like a sitting duck. Well this has been a road. It has been. Just with it... our anniversary didn't quite go the way we thought it was going to go. Yeah, but I mean, that's one of the things that I really love about our relationship is that like no matter what life throws at us, <laughs> and that was and that was it really was one of the reasons why why I wanted to marry you so bad is I I had seen the different things that had happened in your life and how you just kept going and just made <laughs> Aww, it work. You're going to make me cry. Yeah, heartbreakers didn't go exactly the way you thought it would go. And then, uh, but it was a really funny movie. Like I said, you can, (laughs) 
I, I would put the I would put the highlights of Heartbreakers against any comedy. Well, and I thought we did a really good pairing without knowing because we had divorce proceedings mm-hmm. and we had people impersonating people and conning people. So yeah. this was perfect. Yeah, they worked really well. I together. had no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I love you. Happy anniversary. I love you too. Yeah, this is uh, wasn't like I said, wasn't quite the anniversary I imagined for ten. I mean, first we wanted to like go on a European tour or something, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen then the pandemic happened and then then, like okay well we'll just go to a hotel if it's safe and that didn't happen and then this morning (laughs) happened and it was just like oh so now we're down the hall from each other Mm -hmm. but still in love well what are we gonna do next time oh yes we have to talk about that uh so we've decided uh that we're going to i'm actually gonna call it Crazy for Swayze. Oh, yeah. Because one of Keith's favorite movies is... Roadhouse. Oh, God. I have not seen this movie in forever. It could go incredibly badly, but I cannot wait. I just, yeah. i not interested at all, but I like Patrick Swayze, and I know he met his wife on this film, right? Or he worked with his wife. Oh, I don't know. His, I, all I know is his wife was a dancer. I don't know. I don't she know. could have maybe, I but I don't know. There's a lot of ladies in that movie. Oh, okay. When you say that, it makes me think that there's lots of dancing ladies in this movie. So that's what I get to watch. Mm-hmm. And you get to watch a movie that is very close to my seventh grade heart. It was one of the books that we had to read in seventh grade, and mm-hmm. I cried my eyes out when I read it. Where the Red Fern Grows. No, God. I, I did read that in seventh grade and cry my eyes out, and I threw the book across the room and was like, why are we reading this? Yeah, I don't I, Oh, I don't, God, I hate that book. I think that was earlier for me. I think that was like Jeez, fifth or sixth grade or fourth or something. Grade. Uh, no, I am talking about uh, S. E. Hinton's The Outsiders. Then this is going to be interesting because, like, I nothing. Gold I remember I I saw it around when I was that age, like seventh grade, mm. and I didn't get it. I was like, I know this movie's <laughs> supposed to be cool because it's got like Tom Cruise and Rob, Rob Macchio and Rob Lowe. Rob and Macchio. Machi- I don't know what his name is. <laughs> well, Keith, it, actually, it's all about Matt Dillon for me. Yeah, there you go. It's I, all about the dill. I, you know what? And that's one of my, like, like with George Clooney. George Clooney <laughs> was spectacular mm-hmm. in Intolerable Cool. I've never been mad at George Clooney. I always think he's been a good actor. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and Matt Dillon's one of those guys, too. And also, like, they ate chocolate cake and had beer for breakfast. And I was like, well, that sounds like an amazing breakfast. I think that just gave me heartburn. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be a seventh grade girl. Wow. All right. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to be an eighth grade boy. Cause I think that's Roadhouse's, <laughs> Roadhouse's target is Roadhouse. like, yeah, is a, is, a, is, a, is a shy 15-year-old who wants to be tough. So. Aw, you're, you're tough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. You're tough on crime. There you go. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, Ramble. Please pray for us if, uh, <laughs> if you pray. <laughs> We're yeah. fine. But, you know, we'll, we just, we'll we, always take good thoughts and prayers. Yeah, always totally. So, um, yeah, you can uh, check out He Saw, She Saw um, on our Facebook page. We mm-hmm. also have He Saw, She Saw podcast at Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of where we post uh, pictures and extras and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, but like and subscribe all the places you get podcasts. Yes, please and... like and subscribe. And um, thank you so much to the few people who have told me that they are uh, diehard listeners now mm-hmm. um, and have told me to make more faster. 
<laughs> I feel like Scotty. Is it Scotty from Star? I'm giving it all I've got. Yeah, that thing. The star. Well, that was a horrible Scotty bass <laughs> but okay. I'm giving it all I got. No, that's Irish. <laughs> you know how you how you can get into an Irish accent? How? You say, I'm going to the theater. Wow. And then all right. you can say. Anyway. Okay. So happy anniversary. Top of the morning to you. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we love you. And we'll see you guys later. Bye.